Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. Thanks so much for having us. <laughs> Total pleasure. Absolute pleasure. I think this is um, going to be part of this wee mini-series that I've been doing called The Gidgeons. It's just part of the main podcast, but it's really just to highlight people doing great things um, and some great causes and stuff. So um, I think you guys are going to go in that wee mini-series. Oh, amazing. And uh, I'm very excited to see that I'm joined by Mary Riley, who is creative producer at Scottish Youth Theatre. And Melanie Jordan, who is, well, I feel like, Melanie, you've got a long list of things. Theatre maker, director, aerialist, any other additional hats that you wear that I've missed out, Melanie? Oh, probably. I mean, I think my main practice is clown, to be honest. I think clown kind of spans all of those things. Amazing. Oh, my goodness. That sounds like a podcast in itself. (laughs) One day. Let me know when you want to do it. (laughs) Firstly, I guess my my first question would be, can you both remember what your introduction to theatre was? Mary, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. introduction to theatre well it's really bizarre because the irony is is that um, I used to go to Scottish Youth Theatre a long long time ago as a young person um, wow. yeah so it's all kind of came around 360 and yeah I used to go to Scottish Youth Theatre eh, when I was about 13 I started I was looking for some obviously drama classes to go to and I'd heard it was brilliant and loads of recommendations to go and um, I was like okay so eh, I started some Saturday classes and then uh sort of progressed I suppose into kind of the summer festival that they used to run um, and lots of other activities where I was like totally embedded in the community within Scottish Youth Theatre and friends that I had met there are now still friends now you know 25 years later um, and yeah so it was wild obviously at the time um, a lot of the work was fee paying and so I used to have a wee paper round in which um, I would save all the money I could to pay for my classes and um, my wee granny would give me money every couple of weeks to go and stuff so it's actually really beautiful that now I'm in this position as creative producer which obviously at that point I would never have I never have thought so I suppose that was probably my first introduction to theatre watching you know my peers young people's work at the time on stage and going oh I want to do that I want to be like that and then obviously getting to see some more professional theatre I suppose at that point along the journey so yeah I love that that's amazing that's how cool is that total full circle it's wild Uh, never expected it in any way obviously I've went away and done other things and I sort of left Scottish Youth Theatre when I was about 16 17 um, went on to other other things and then yeah just joined the company in this role in 2018 so wild wild times but yeah so it's got a strong connection to to me and and uh, and to my heart and to theatre and young Mm. people's work absolutely what about yourself Melanie well um when I was two and a half my mum sent me to dance classes and (laughs) which I loved and then at dance classes the dance teacher would always give me a row for being too chatty and then I got sent to drama classes to kind of get that chattiness out of myself and then I just fell in love with it I really I did that you know all through growing up and then came to uni in Edinburgh to to carry on doing dance and 
drama. Um, but the thing was, I always I thought I was going to go into musical theatre. Um, and that was the thing I really studied when I was younger was musical theatre. But I, the truth was, I could never really sing. So I had to kind of close that dream down a little bit and find another avenue. But I'm so pleased that I did, because now my theatre practice is, you know, it, it's physical theatre, it's clown, it's got elements of circus and outdoor practice, site specific work. So, um, yeah, I'm so those pleased dancing, that I did. Those dance classes did pay off, even though you were chatty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now I do chattiness and dancing. So everyone wins. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and... You know, you're just the both of you are just reminding me of a conversation I had recently with um, Jennifer Bates of DH Ensemble, and just that um, maybe growing up and that idea of what theatre is. You know, Melanie, you alluded to like you know that idea of like all oh, musicals, and and maybe you're know, growing up, you have an idea of what theatre is, but then being introduced to something like Scottish Youth Theatre or a youth company, you mm-hmm. are probably educated on what theatre can be. And that there's a place for everybody. You know, we had this discussion about, you know, thinking like, oh, it's just musicals or panto. Or theatre's not for me. Or that's a certain kind of person that, you know, is involved in acting or theatre. But really, these youth companies like Scottish Youth Theatre just open so many doors and so many opportunities and just open the minds of young people to discover what's actually involved in theatre. Yeah, totally, absolutely. I think we're really lucky in the Scottish theatre scene and the youth art sector specifically because there are so many organisations across Scotland who are offering um, many different ways to participate. And I think now there's this, you know, lovely... I suppose the work that's happening is participatory in that's the kind of language I guess that's being used at the moment um, in terms of working with young people to accelerate their voices and to give them space to think about what is it they want to say about the world or um, how do they you know how do they understand the world they live in and doing that through the lens of theatre performance or filmmaking or whatever it might be and I think there's so many young artists now also who are working in sort of interdisciplinary practices that they might not realise that they are, but they're already writers, they're already directors, you know, they're already designers Mm -hmm. in many ways, music designers or composers. And it's just, I guess, finding that place when you're working at, you know, when you're a sort of young person on your own in your room or whatever, and you don't realise there's people like you out there. And I think anybody that works in theatre knows that and knows that that's the power of youth theatre to find that to find your tribe, so to speak, and to find the community. And we absolutely advocate for, you know, youth theatre, young companies, um, youth work in many extents as well, who are doing, you know, drama drama work or education work or whatever it might be, because it just gives yeah. young people that space to really explore who they are. And, and, and many of them might not go into theatre as a profession, and that's absolutely fine, but it still helps us to perhaps be more, I don't know, compassionate about the world we live in or, or deeper understanding to other mm-hmm. people's experiences and, you know, the types of people that you meet in your theatre are from, you know, all walks of life. And I think that's something that's really exciting Absolutely. as well, sort of understanding the wider context of the world. <laughs> that's not too deep for the beginning. Yeah, no, 100%. And when you started out in your career, was it a deliberate decision to work with young people or is that just something that happened organically? Um, I sort of started off as a performer, as most young people do, wanting to be an actor. And then I discovered, you know, making theatre was something I was really excited about. And, and I studied on a contemporary theatre practice course many years ago. Um, 
and that opened my mind to what theatre could be or what live performance was and I suppose at that time I was heavily involved in sort of live art work and um, outdoor arts and also I worked with Surge who were then Conflux at the time and that was around you know community work which obviously Mel who Mel works with now as well um, and thinking about taking theatre to the people and you know a big part of my practice as well is about you know social justice and social change and using the arts as a as a vehicle to create that change um, or at least to, to open people's minds if they want to what theatre can be and, and take it like I say to to the streets to the people so um, and then yeah working within grassroots and seeing how you know, theatre can sort of bring people together um, and then just kind of falling into that place where you're like right I'm going to facilitate some stuff and maybe there's some young people who want to do this and as a young person yourself you were I was making work anyway and then you know it's kind of so I guess I never thought that I would be perhaps in this position you know particularly um, you know we didn't work for a program for young people to engage with but it's absolutely it's actually I think it's at the core of theatre making in many senses because it's it's the next generation or it's the current generation actually I always knew that I wanted to make my own theatre. Um, I always really wanted to make my own work and find my own style, I suppose. And then as I began making my own work, I, I realised that actually theatre for social change and theatre that is a conversation starter about stuff that irks me <laughs> was something I really mm. wanted to do. Um, and so as I kind of progressed and thought more about theatre for social change and political theatre, it, it became really important to me that actually I widen my conversation to lots of different groups of people. Um, and so working with young people was part of that process, part of that journey that I went on um, and hearing their political voice and and championing their political voice is super important to me in my practice. And that's why I'm so I'm so happy to be part of this project with Scottish Youth Theatre because they really champion that too. So it feels like a, such a good meeting of minds. They're really encouraging of young people, not just to get into theatre, to be an actor or director, but really to be a maker, to be able to create their own work, to make their voice heard. And so there's a participatory level in that anyway, in the sense that they're there from the start of a project, and particularly with this project, um, Once You See the Smoke, they've been there from the very start, like devising the work and um, being part of all the decision-making process from the very beginning. And so there's a real participatory element to that, but I think particularly in thinking about theatre for social change, speaking to communities and community involvement, community participation is essential to that work. Otherwise, it's just an echo chamber, right? Like, I think getting different voices from different people is is the main part of what I do. Mary, I'm going to come to you for your elevator pitch for Scottish Youth Theatre. What does Scottish Youth Theatre do? Who are they? Um, so Scottish Youth Theatre uh, has been in existence for around 42 years and it's been going through quite an accelerated period of change um, over, well, always, I think, you know, theatre in general and the arts change anyway, keep up with the kind of contemporary um, movement of, of the ecology as it changes and grows in theatre anyway. So I think particularly over the past um, two years, we've seen a massive change in Scottish Youth Theatre and the programme of work that we offer. It's national. We have a national programme which runs all across Scotland. It's for aged 14 to 25 and it's for aspiring and emerging theatre makers and theatre makers in the widest 
term um, where, like I say earlier, it's writers, performers, uh, designers, and you know all the in-betweens as well, and hopefully at some point technical theatre. Um, and everything that we do with the Scottish Youth Theatre is free to participate on the national programme, um, and there's also an access and wellbeing programme, which we've been working on over the past two years, drilling to really ensure that there's a debate and conversation around barriers across intersections that young people are facing in regards to participation so that we can offer a programme that is equitable. We bring in really fantastic artists like Mel or like any of the other people that we're working with currently or have worked with before. So there's a real um, diversity of artists and theatre makers, designers, writers, etc., all joining joining in and all giving something, giving knowledge and change to young people. And I think, um, yeah, I'm really excited about where Scottish Youth Theatre is going to go, particularly with the new digital programme, which obviously we've been kind of forced into doing under mm-hmm. these times. Um, right before this, we had several programmes on the go that were going to be happening in different locations across Scotland, Elevate, Making Space, Generator and the National Ensemble as well. Um, but now we've had to put a lot of those projects on hold and really focus on this digital work. And it's actually brought us to a new place, I think, creative, creatively. None of us were particularly digital savvy previously, but now you know I find myself editing YouTube videos and obviously Mel's running Zoom rehearsals and there's lots of different projects that we've got on the go just now, um, including Quarantine, which is for young people looking at artivism so where art and activism meet and how they can create small changes perhaps within their communities through art Um, and I think that's something that's really exciting as well and I think the digital work that we're doing has really enabled us to uh, cross so many different barriers actually um, in terms of geographic barriers where you know you'd have to travel and stay somewhere for a week and embed yourself in the community which absolutely is still something that I feel quite strongly about as as uh, not parachuting in somewhere, you know, being embedded in community and getting to know the people and working in partnership. And um, we really value our partnerships at Scottish Youth Theatre, whether that be with venues across Scotland or other youth organisations. Um, but we're not without the people that we work with, you know, so it is all about the artists and obviously more importantly, it's about the young people that we work with. So yeah, I'm excited to see where Scottish Youth Theatre it's going to go in the next couple of years. Well, it's just um, all about embracing change, like you said, adapting, just being ready to be open to whatever barriers as such have been put in front of you. Mm-hmm. But then, like you say, you know, that then impacts kind of positive change and new explorations that you maybe didn't foresee were possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, as artists and whatever practice we work in, there's always room for for change and I think we should always be researching and learning and educating ourselves about whatever it is whatever the most important thing is or what whether Mm -hmm. or anything actually in terms of our political minds and and different approaches and and you know everything isn't everything isn't equal so how can we make the work that we do at Scottish Youth Theatre as equitable as possible to ensure that you know young people across intersections are having the opportunity to engage in the work that we do Um, and I think that's really at the core of of our work. I mean you know you said the word free first and foremost that's just you know amazing that you're able to to offer that cost isn't a barrier to the young people that want to to be involved in the work that you do the amazing work that you're you're producing it's really really important really important that it's free um obviously there's questions around the value that's attached to free work but you know that's a whole other debate I mm. think I'm sure we'll get into the conversation about the funding landscape and how how you know how can we ensure that um, the work we do continues to stay free when you know, funding is being 
cut for the arts yeah. across the UK. So Melanie, is this your first time working with Scottish Youth Theatre or do you already ha- did you already have a relationship before this specific project? It is really in any kind of official capacity. Um, I've run sort of one-off workshops for Scottish Youth Theatre before on clowning, which is, as I said before, sort of my main practice. Um, And then I've also been in in and around the building in Glasgow quite a lot, um, opening productions there and sort of just kicking about and getting to meet people. So I feel like I've been, you know, weaseling my way in for a little while, but this is my official (laughs) official, uh, job with SYT, I suppose. (laughs) so yeah talking about adapting to change and obviously the projects that we're specifically focusing in on um was supposed to be something else and now has turned into something quite wonderful i'm sure so mary what was the initial idea for this particular project yeah so you know national ensemble's been running for this is its fourth year um and it's it's taken a a body where it's taken a kind of body of work where it's a national touring model for 18 to 25s um to work with political and radical themes and to create debate and write and perform and really co-create the work that they want to make and then uh, placing a mentor director into that project and then they work together for nine months to create this new piece of theatre which goes on a, a national tour and this year we were meant to be going on an eight venue national tour um, which obviously um, has been cancelled now but bringing in the right artist um, such as Mel who's came on board in kind of November for the start of, start of rehearsals um, yeah, I think there's been massive changes, but Mel is really leading that work and I can't compliment uh, Mel enough, to be honest, for her adaptability and resilience and change. And when we thought that we were going to have to cancel this project in March, we were just like, oh, what are we going to do? And then it was like, right, let's just move it all, all online and see what happens, you know? Um, and she really ran with that and she's been she's so brave to take that on board. And it's, I, think it's, I think it's something really radical. I don't know many other projects that are happening like this and you know with 20 young artists from all across Scotland and they're all they're all there on a weekly weekly basis now chatting and making work but obviously like I say Mel's leading the work so she's really the one to talk about Mm. it but we're so grateful to have her we've won a watch (laughs) nice one so Mel this podcast is called the brawn the brave and you have just been described as brave would you describe (laughs) yourself as as brave in your approach um, being brave or stupid I don't know where the line is um, but you know what like when you know we started this project and we had two weekends of development together in person in a theatre which feels like what? the old, olden days now the fond days we remember but yeah so we did two weekends of development and so we had a little bit of a sense of what the show could be and, and although that was very much development we didn't we hadn't started making decisions about things yet um, we did have mm. that foundation and then lockdown happened and do you know what? And I wasn't really prepared to not do the show. That didn't feel like an option to be like, oh, maybe we should stop. <laughs> we just had to yeah. think, okay, right. So we can't do the show as we thought we were going to do it. And that's sad. And we, you know, we grieved for that. And that was quite a painful thing to admit to ourselves that, you know, we weren't going to have this tour and we weren't going to see each other in the flesh for quite a long time. But after we sort of, you know, we got over that quite quickly, I think, and really just put, um, all of our energy into finding solutions into adapting and evolving our practice mega mega quickly and I think because we had to work so quickly we actually didn't uh, really consider if it was brave or you know what we <laughs> how we might be feeling about it we just did it and that felt like the thing we had to do we just 
you know, we saw hurdles and then we had to sort of try and find a way around those hurdles. And I'm mm-hmm. really pleased with what we've made now, actually. I mean, I, it was really hard to see it at first. I think that's actually been a massive challenge is that, you know, when you make a theatre show, you know, I've been working in theatre for 15 years now. And and so when you start a process, even though it's devised, you can kind of, you can envision it on a stage in front yeah. of an audience, even if you don't quite know what the content is yet. Whereas mm. what's been hard about this is that it's been really hard to envision what it's going to be like because I've never seen a show on Zoom before. I've never, I've certainly never seen a devised show on Zoom before and I've never done the yeah. devising before. So, you know, having that vision of what the show is going to be was, you know, we were kind of going into it blind. That was a risk. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm so pleased we did it. And so, yeah, Brave is, you know, it's lovely for Mary to call me Brave, but I... Um, I think it's the young people that have been brave, you know, because they've just been like, no, no, we're going to carry on. They had the option to leave and they said, absolutely not. We're going to do it. They're amazing. That's amazing. That's so nice to hear that they were all of the same thinking that, you know, they were invested and wanted to make it work however it was going to be able to happen. Yeah. And I guess that's what you do, you know, in your normal circumstances when you're working on a piece and then something just comes in to to kind of shake things up it is just that problem solving aspect that just like right okay let's how do we make this work how do we how, how do we solve this issue and um, yeah nobody could have foreseen COVID-19 and what it would do to the world of the arts but it, it, it is amazing that you are just having that attitude of this is not going to stop we just have yeah. to we just have to make it work for for us and for everybody involved and okay. yeah the responsibility of working with young people you would have felt that greatly as well like we have to make this work for them because they would have been so disappointed like you say and not getting that amazing opportunity to tour what has the devising process and rehearsals looked like because as you say it's just completely been turned on its head it really has I mean the the devising process looks very much like a screen uh, with 20 boxes on it with everyone (laughs) looking at me from various bedrooms and living rooms across Scotland and one thing that was really important to this whole thing when we had uh, conversations initially about what what on earth are we going to do now is something that was really important was that it was still live um we discussed maybe making a film or making yeah a a recording of something but actually you know we're not filmmakers we're theatre makers and liveness is something that's so important to us and and also something we're all craving during lockdown Mm. a live experience and so that was something that we decided that's absolutely going to happen it needs to be live so um the devising process kind of looks like we we had a little bit of the foundation as I said and then from there people went off individually and wrote or created bits of material whether they're bits of text or bits of movement or ideas for characters or ideas for uh, visuals you know like a digital set design Mm. so they kind of had to go with those ideas individually and then brought it all back to the group and then as the group we experimented all those ideas so we get together uh once a week um all 20 of us um and experiment with this and and yeah that's definitely challenging on zoom you know reading social cues and having natural conversations on zoom is really hard but they've done a really good job of kind of finding a zoom etiquette (laughs) and they and we have all these kind of rules to the rehearsal room now where they kind of know you know what's the best way to hear one person speak at one time or how can we have a conversation that's still uh, equal and so we sort of found our way through that through zoom so we do that on a sassy all together and then through the week we kind of work in smaller groups to develop these scenes and these movement sequences and these moments and then yeah bring it back to the group on a Saturday so we've kind of worked that way for the last 12 weeks 
and I think we might have a show now thank goodness yes, <laughs> yes. and Lamari from your point of view you, you were saying not necessarily get involved in the creative aspect of it but obviously then there's the all the behind the scenes stuff that's very very important setting up all these zoom rehearsals and the correspondence with the participants and then obviously um advertising that this is now going online and that we're very much you know alive and kicking this this is definitely going ahead so there'll be a lot of work your end to make this all tick beautifully yeah i mean the producing side of it is um obviously you know sits obviously sits alongside the work um but you know I think I mean to be honest at Scottish Youth Theatre just now a lot most of our staff are furloughed and um, we really have a very very small team of three probably three and a half people um and so we're juggling quite a lot of projects um, I'm personally juggling quite a lot of projects within the organisation as a whole um and so ensuring that we've got um you know artists like Mel and that the young the young artists themselves are taking on as much responsibility for the work as they can mm-hmm. I think is, is, a, is a great learning journey for them too um as far as the producing aspect goes obviously I was talking to someone before about the unproducing of work um, and what that can mean for organisations and I'm sure a lot of people across the sector are feeling that just now um, but also finding new ways to to make things happen and just to ensure that we can continue to work and we can continue to be you know seen or continue that you know continue the work that we're doing on that on that level I suppose but thinking about the young artists that we're working with on National Ensemble, um, Mel's absolutely given them the space to also, you know, co-create and also be the technic- the technicians, if you like, on Zoom, which again, I think is a, a whole new concept for theatre. Um, we've just brought on board a digital stage manager, which is, you know, a brand new job in terms of this digital work um, and, and we're kind of interrogating like what exactly is it's a digital stage manager what's a digital stage manager have to do and you know giving the young people the opportunity to take their own show through the zoom platform is super innovative we're growing more skills within the company than we actually knew that we needed um, and so you know when all this is over the whole company the staff hopefully the artists and certainly the young artists that we're working with are going to have a whole range of additional tools in their toolbox to to tackle this new normal when we well, you know whatever theatre is going to be in the next six months or a couple of years um, and actually I think that's that is one of the biggest yeah, outcomes I think that will come from from this work. Obviously, apart from the the topic of climate change, there's so many positives. Like in such a difficult situation, I think it's incredible what you're all doing to make this this a reality. And you know, I read these things like you know the, the youth of today they're going to be doing jobs that don't even exist in X amount of years, and you're like, really? Obviously, this situation you know is case in point. We've now got a stage manager who's digitally doing their work, and you're like, you can't even imagine that that would have mm-hmm. been a thing. It is just creating these, you know, these new roles, these new opportunities to keep, essentially, which is the most important thing is like keep young people doing what they, they love to do, keeping their passion alive and being able to connect with other like-minded people and make mm-hmm. great work. That's amazing. I think one of the challenges was as well, we were, we were planning quite a big sort of production and creative team to support the work that was going to be obviously on, on a stage in those, you know, sort of traditional roles that you have and we've had to really rethink that not just due to the fact obviously that budgets have been reduced or are on standstill but also really interrogating well what are the roles that are needed on this platform for this show not to say obviously that that's for every show but for this show um, I think it's great that we've managed to keep some additional um, creative roles um, within the company as well. 
So can you go into, I mean, obviously you don't want to give all of the magic away because we want to encourage people to tune in and see these wonderful performances, but can you give us a bit more insight into what this piece of theatre is going to be about, what it's going to look like? Everything I've been involved in has had some kind of motivation towards social change. Things, um, I mean... Feminist issues are at the heart of everything that I do. And, and you know, climate change is absolutely a feminist issue as well. Thinking about the people that are hit hardest by climate change are usually people from marginalised communities um, and often often women in that situation. And also it's often men who are making the decisions that are having a global impact negatively on climate change. So yeah. coming at it from a feminist perspective, um, you know, feminism has been a massive part of my work. But also recently I've been working with Rowan Bank, uh, who are an environmental circus company, and they do sort of pop-up performances really looking at uh, the environment and climate justice. And through my work with them, we've been kind of exploring this topic too. Um, so it has been something that's featured in quite a, my, a lot of my work so far. But I have to say, this is the first time I've had the opportunity to dig really deep into it and also to think more about a future of how, you know, how we deal with these issues going forward uh, and thinking about those issues going forward with a, a younger group of people has felt very meaningful and poignant, but also just super important, you know. Obviously, you've worked with the young people um, before lockdown. Have you seen any differences, any changes that individuals have been able to make? Have you seen anyone flourish um, or come out their comfort zone now that you're online and doing it digitally? I mean, I think we're all out of our comfort zone Mm -hmm. and the resilience and the ability to just like, you know, take on a challenge and find Mm. a solution is absolutely incredible. And I feel like they've just got on with it and they've just shown such maturity in taking these, you know, really challenging ideas of climate justice and what does an alternative Scotland look like with more of a climate change agenda, you know, taking these massive political social ideas and geographical ideas and and putting those into scenes and to moments that can be shared on a screen. And of course, that's been challenging, but I feel like I've really had to lean on them a lot as a director to create this material in isolation. And I think the quality of work that they've brought back has just been extraordinary. It really has. They're, they're really incredible artists. And I feel like I've really watched them grow, all of them grow and flourish as artists through this whole process. And a lot of them have spoken about how when they came into this production, they came in as an actor um, primarily, you know, and hadn't really considered doing other things within theatre. And now they, you know, they've all become writers, directors, dramaturgs designers they're all kind of operating the tech themselves through zoom they've all become much more rounded theater makers i think and i really hope that going forward they have the toolkit to be able to just go and make their own zoom show because you know i think sadly we're not going to get back into theaters for a little while so Mm. have so for them to be equipped in order to keep making work that's been such an important part i think of as you know in my role as director and facilitator on this project Again, I can't praise the young, the young, the young people, the young artists enough um, for their resilience, really. And that's that's the words they've just got through it. And you know, everyone under lockdown is facing challenges, whatever that may be. And the fact I think that we have this community that do meet once a week, and they also you know meet at different points through the week with Mel or on their own, as Mel said for rehearsals and production meetings and stuff. So it's something for them to continue to engage with. I think um, looking beyond the show itself, there's thoughts around right. Well 
again the show you know the show's on the second third and fourth of july at 7 30 tickets are available on eventbrite just as a wee link there um, but, um you know we can't, again it's like the responsibility not to just drop them when the show finishes it's like there needs to be a continuation there needs to be something that they can still engage with after having all these weekly sessions with us um, or with Mel particularly and then for there to be nothing I think that's potentially damaging to, to, to the creative community that we've created obviously at some point everyone finishes a show and there's post-show blues and all the rest of it but I think there's there's a whole other body of work to be done around um, the kind of exit strategies that we have to put in place now around digital practice um, and that's something we've been talking a lot about um, within the core team at Scottish Youth Theatre so yeah so just as another thought to digital work you know um, but the hope is obviously that they go on to then produce and make their own their own theatre and their, their next stage of uh, whatever their, their practice is. I think particularly with this group, Mary and the, the team at SYT have done such an amazing job at really embedding uh, mental well-being into this whole project. And Great. part of that mental well-being was being together in a room and making yes. and having conversations and supporting each other. And then to just have nothing, I think would be devastating. So mm. it's been really important, yeah, creatively, but also for people's well-being. So you touched on earlier on about the, the idea that this, you, you've never done a show digitally on Zoom for a live audience. Um, can you go into any detail of how you are going to put that together, what that's going to look like and how you hope audiences are going to be able to engage with this performance? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I say I've not done a show on Zoom. Actually, the last couple of weeks I've been running a cabaret with Serge, who I work with as well. And we run an online no. cabaret on Zoom, which has been amazing, actually. It's been so fun and great to just see like a variety of work taking their practice online, um, mm. which is just it's really surprising the kind of work that works really well online. You wouldn't necessarily think that before this all happened. Yeah. Um, so I so yeah, I've been running that, which has been great. I mean, I think devising a show through Zoom is a slightly different kettle of fish and a much bigger undertaking. And what what I really want the audience to experience is to have as much of that liveness as they possibly can um, and to be able to sort of lose themselves in the way that you would in a theatre, to lose themselves in the story and in the messages and in the movement and the atmosphere. And so we're working um, with a brilliant creative team, actually, to try and still make that happen. So we're working with uh, Patricia Panther, our sound designer, um, who's creating a score, uh, you know, the, the score of the smoke um, throughout the production and some amazing uh, mm-hmm. tracks in there as well. Um, and then also we're working with a lighting consultant, Laura Hawkins, who is a brilliant lighting designer. And obviously this is a much harder gig to design <laughs> because yes. she's not working with any lights as such. Um, but so working with the light sources that the company have at home and also looking at how we can create atmosphere with gels and zoom trickery and things you can put across your, your camera to create atmosphere. And so, um, and then we're also, you know, as I said before, like the company are all teching or like operating the show from within zoom. So we're in control of like where the cameras turn on and off when the cameras are off what images are you seeing not just the live performance what images are supporting that a bit like a backdrop a bit like a set mm-hmm. um and so we're really trying to sculpt this experience for an audience which is really meaningful and theatrical as well as it be you know it is it is on a screen so it is on like a flat surface that you're watching but i hope that it's as theatrical as it can be within that um and that's been such an interesting challenge for young people as well thinking about how you uh, take these things you might see in theatre like lighting design and stick them on a screen and how that works that's been such an interesting process to go through with them 
I love how though that you know they are now getting so hands on with the uh, all elements of the creativity that goes into theatre that they'll be rummaging about their house looking for different light sources and taking into consideration their environment and what they're working with and I think it's amazing that that they're now very much building on that toolkit that you spoke about earlier on. Yeah, they kind of have to because the creative team, brilliant as they are, can't be in these people's houses with them. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> they have to, everything they are using, they Peeing have to through the window, like, <laughs> move that lamp and put that there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, the creative team are obviously given as much support as they possibly can, but it's up uh, ultimately up to up to the performers, up to the company to operate everything within their own bedroom <laughs> to create this world. <laughs> so they, yeah, they are literally doing everything on this production, everything. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> it is, it is very amazing, absolutely. So Mary, earlier on you had touched on the issue of like funding and obviously we are in a very difficult time and the arts have just been hit terribly. Um, obviously you'll be having discussions and deliberations over the lay of the land and what things are going to look like um, in the future for for Scottish youth theatre specifically. Um, is there anything specific that you, you know, want to touch on at this moment in time that has came up for you? Um, I think, I suppose, you know, again, on a, on a very personal level, it's just the advocacy for youth arts. Um, there's a lot of conversations happening at, at, you know, different places and stages and levels around, obviously, the sort of professional Scottish theatre ecology. And that is obviously hugely important and we cannot be without theatre in, in, in the future or there's no culture, there's, you know, there, there's no nothing without culture. But I also feel equally as strong around the youth arts sector and supporting the work that's happening across Scotland when I see colleagues, you know, in the youth arts sector being furloughed or their organisations financially falling off a cliff, so to speak. And uh, I really worry about that because if, if the feeder, the feeders are not there for the professional theatre sector, then it just means that again that there's there's not equality there's not equity and and there's no diversity potentially in the future of theatre as it'll all be you know that certain um privileged although many of us obviously you know as white women were privileged anyway but I mean um rich people essentially will be the ones will be the ones that will be um, on our theatre stages and directors and programmes and I think a lot of work has happened in Scotland over the past 10 maybe 15 years around really changing the landscape and and who's in positions of power and and what are the conversations that we're having um, and who's not at the table and I think there's a huge risk again if the youth arts sector are not protected during this crisis that there's going to be less and less diversity at the table than there ever has been and it'll, it'll cause a massive massive gap and it'll reduce all the work that the sector has been doing over the past 15 years um, and so I suppose like I say on a personal level those are my, my main concerns it's hard and I feel like I say I really feel for my colleagues all over the sector not just in and obviously they're my friends as well many of them so you know um, and, and I'm in a super lucky position where I'm still employed I've still got my job and again we don't know how long Scottish Youth Theatre can sustain financially due to this situation and you know Mel had mentioned earlier obviously we have our building based in Glasgow even though this all of the national work takes place across Scotland but you know when can we open the building again when can we start to receive income on that and we just don't know when can we start you know different classes back we're looking at the education sector for guidance obviously Scottish government guidance etc etc so there's no answers at the moment um it's just just a kind of waiting game to see 
to see what's next. Do you think you'll be you'll be inspired to create more work digitally, whatever the landscape looks like for theatre and, and live theatre? Absolutely. Do you know what? Like, I think going into this process, we had to act really quickly and just make quick decisions about what we were going to do. And now we've done this for 12 weeks. I think, do you know what? I'd maybe do this a bit differently. I'd approach this a bit differently. I think now that we have nearly three weeks away, but nearly made a full show on Zoom, I think I've really learned about this process and I'm actually quite keen to get in and do another one because I'm, you know, <laughs> kind of learning from the mistakes. or the punk now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I also think it really opens up what's great about digital platforms, although I, I miss live performance and, you know, live performance in theatres is always going to be where my heart is, always. Hmm. Um, but there's been something really amazing in the sense that we have been able to create a, a show where everyone is in different locations all across the country. That's pretty cool. And also people are going to be able to to tune in and see this production globally if they want to. So our reach can be a lot wider than we ordinarily yeah. thought. And I think that's an exciting element to bring to live performance in terms of accessibility and in terms of reach. And also thinking about sustainability, you know, like we all of our set is digitally sourced. You know, no one is creating something and then it's going to be thrown away. But there's something quite exciting and think about how digital work can help theatre, live theatre in person to be more sustainable and wide reaching. And I'm really excited to see where that hybrid can take us when we come out of lockdown. And I think we're looking at a sort of new, a new art scene, a new art sector and a sort of, you know, this different culture we're all consuming online now and I wonder that when you know when the time comes that we you know we can all get back in a room that there's elements of this social sorry social digital socially digital engaging work um could continue because I also think that's really that's actually something that is hopefully positive that could come out of this and I think because again it opens opportunity for more people to participate or who, who are able to get online obviously but for audiences or for you know young people or artists professional artists who are working with technology and in different digital ways and I think it will throw us into that place in, in the future and the very foreseeable future the current now in fact of well what is theatre and again we're always asking these questions what is theatre um, so I think it's going to take on a whole new form beyond lockdown um, not that that should be in place obviously of, of the face-to-face theatre and sitting in a, an actual theatre venue and, and watching a show live in front of you and feeling the heartbeat of the person sitting next to you or the pulse or the, the sweat or seeing the actors or performers dancers whatever it is sweating on the stage you know you can't nothing can replace that but I just think there's another space there's another place this is now another platform where work can be made yeah they can sit side by side with the kind of interface between live and digital theatre and I think that's I think that's really interesting Mm. yeah because you know when you're saying about accessibility for audiences but also I'm thinking of the young people that might see this production and think that was great I would like to be part of that you know something like that and maybe doing you know something digitally something through zoom might be someone's introduction to theater and being involved in the participatory arts in some way shape or form yeah absolutely i think you know if you are not living in a city and can access a youth theater or live theater productions so readily i mean of course no Mm -hmm. one can at the minute but then this you know it feels like a really cool way to be able to skill up and to be able to develop a practice and try things out and um, and also collaborate in a way that I hadn't considered collaborating digitally before doing this production. That feels like a really exciting advantage to this. 
And I think, you know, during lockdown, it, you know, if people have been furloughed or they've not had as much to do, people have turned to the arts. People always do. It's the arts yeah. and culture that get us through, that provide us with an escape, that provide us with a challenge that provide us with, you know, a way of trying to figure out this world. And I really, really, really hope that going forward, we can still continue to see the value of that. Because I think it's easy to do in lockdown when you can access a book or watch a film or what, you know, watch a national theatre production on YouTube really easily. Mm -hmm. I hope that that continues in the flesh when we are allowed to as well. I guess um, moving forwards, like, I think we're just all very much aware of the not that we weren't before working in the arts, but just the important of the art, the, the importance rather of the arts in so many aspects of our life. I'm, I'm hoping that whatever the, the art scene looks like, that more people will be appreciative of it and celebrate it and support it, more importantly. <laughs> oh, God, absolutely. I really hope so, too. I mean, it feels like there's been a real appetite for theatre since lockdown yes. you know just looking at the amount of shows that have gone online via youtube or via you know mm -hmm. different like, like pre-recorded productions and the appetite for that is extraordinary and really heartening i think and also as i said i've been running this cabaret through surge every week i'm seeing that you know audiences turn up every week because they're just craving that live experience so where are you in the process of once you see the smoke um sweating a lot uh, <laughs> um we've got three weeks to go um i know oh my god three weeks to go so uh we where are we 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 can we're at a point where we're doing run-throughs now which is really exciting cool. and we've given a good amount of time to really figure out the tech side of it as i said like it's really fiddly you know when mm. when they're not performing when each cast member isn't performing they're operating scenes for the other uh performers you know so th so wow. there's a, an incredibly um complicated technical script that we have to work through so we're kind of at that stage now we're at that stage where we're really trying to figure out who turns who turns on what camera who starts the track who does this lighting cue who does this so yeah, that's where we're at the minute. So it's quite fiddly, but it's also quite exciting because, yeah, you wouldn't. This is such a new experience and we'd never tech like this ordinarily. So, yeah, no. it's difficult, but also, yeah, I'm pleased with it. Yeah, everybody will definitely be on in this performance. I feel like nobody will be letting their minds wander and thinking about <laughs> the after show party. <laughs> no, there's definitely no chilling in any kind of green room going on in the show. It's a really intense no. hour for the performance incredibly intense <laughs> i hope it doesn't put them off here fingers crossed <laughs> i think it'll be interesting to see the audience response to it um, as well because you know we are you know we're thinking around you know the webinar format as well although you know we're not fully confirmed that yet but you know obviously the team feel really passionately about it being a live theater performance it's not pre-recorded it's not going to have any recorded elements in it and with that mm. kind of live stuff on stage there's always somebody that can cover you or someone that somebody that'll fill in if something goes wrong or you know we all know how yeah. to adapt to that but on this new digital platform if if the internet falls out on someone's live performance and it drops there's really nothing 
anyone can do about that. You know, it's just like waiting for the internet can, can start again. Um, and so I think there's there's a lot of new risks to making theatre like this. Um, and I hope that the audience will embrace that and understand and, and be mindful of all of those possibilities. And, you know, in many ways, the three shows, obviously, over the three, three nights, although they're the same piece of work, they might be experienced in three very different ways, depending on what um, yeah. device you're using. If you're using so a laptop, true, actually. then you'll see, you know, little boxes. And if you're on a phone, you'll see one box. So it's... Gosh, yeah. that's right. God, I don't even think about that. That's amazing. So that's some of the yeah. conversations we've been having around, you know, what's the mm. best advice for the audience to how do we want them to view it? And, and, and we don't yeah. want to put a barrier in place if somebody only has a phone to view it. So they're going to have a different experience of this show. But that's all okay, I think, isn't it? That's like, you know, whatever experience they have is the experience they have, as long as the, the strength of, of the, the voice of the story and, and the power of the work is there. So, yeah. What would be your advice to your participants at this point in the process? Like, looking ahead to the performance, what would your one nugget of wisdom be? Um, I think to trust in this process, even though it's really, really new and unclear sometimes, and we don't always know where we're going, to really trust in in the journey we're all on together. I think the process of this has been just as important, if not more important than the show that we're making. Mm. And I think, I mean, I'd love to say that's always the case with with shows, but I don't necessarily think it is. But I think particularly like this, the process of putting this thing together and us all just kind of finding our resilience has been so 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 important and of course I want the show to be great and I really hope it will be um but I can't see the audience so we'll see <laughs> what their reaction will be like I'll um, be in that chat box giving all the praise <laughs> oh, thanks Lisa I appreciate that um so I think it's just yeah to trust in this process and to trust in the people that are making it and um kind of lose yourself in that I think that's mm. what I would say incredible i'm so excited to see it it just sounds absolutely wonderful and and very very broad and brave for sure <laughs> all the elements that are having to come into play to make this happen um no i totally commend all all of you involved and in, obviously including the young artists um it sounds like a, a massive undertaking but a very important and a very brilliant one indeed so at the on this podcast, I like to do what we call the thingamabobs. Mm-hmm. Now, um, these are just random questions to get to know my guests <laughs> further. So, Mary, feel free to come at it as a, from a personal perspective, or you can be the voice for Scottish Youth Theatre, no okay. pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Mel, obviously, you can very much come at it from a personal perspective. So, my first question is, what is the best sound ever? Well, uh, the best sound ever, I think, is um, when a bubble pops and it's really delicate. I love that. Mm -hmm. that. That's a good sound. (laughs) Yeah, I think it just reminds me of being a kid. I think it's nostalgia. Nostalgia filled bubbles. Mm, That's nice. I like the sound of the rain hitting off the ground or hitting off a roof. Nice one. (laughs) There's a lot of rain just now. I know. Where did that lovely sunshine go? Oh, you guys are on it. Excellent. Um, who or what makes you laugh? Uh, well, I'm a bit like, I have a kind of toddler's 
slapstick sense of humor. So uh, people falling over, uh, walking into lampposts, um, <laughs> like stupid stuff. And usually, it's usually me doing that. Do you know, so it's usually me laughing at myself, falling over, walking into lampposts. Um, but yeah, I just like that kind of stupid humor. I think I'm incredibly childish. <laughs> Don't lose that. Don't lose that. Don't grow up. It's a trap. No, I shan't. Never. <laughs> to be fair, with all your clowning, you'll be able to fall over and walk into lampposts very safely. Well, I think this is the thing about clowning is like, you know, all through our lives, we're taught to not be that person that comes into a room and knocks over a chair and then spills a cup of tea and makes an idiot of themselves. But clowning tells you that it's OK to be that person because we're all that person, really. So, yes. I, you know, I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love to laugh, but I'm not like, um, I don't really get jokes, which is difficult. So like when people tell me jokes and there's a punchline, I'm like, is that the punchline or you know, should I be really upset and hurt by this comment? Or <laughs> like, you know, yeah. um, so so then I think laughing, yeah, laughing at myself and my stupidity probably. <laughs> I quite like that. <laughs> advice for your younger self. My advice for my younger self. I feel like I spent a lot of time in my younger years wondering if I could do it and just kind of being nervous and holding back. And I think my advice would be just to go for it. I think if it's, I think I would be so scared about wondering what, you know, people's reaction would be wondering if the the thing that I did was stupid or rubbish, but actually it's okay to do something that's stupid and rubbish. Just keep, just go for it. I think that would be my advice. Don't hold back. Um, To be brave and to believe in yourself and um, to know that you're going to be okay. Excellent advice. And lastly, I ask everyone this one, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? I, mean, I like the word dreich, which is a good a good one for today's weather outside. It's, mm-hmm. it's dreich. What should I think of other Scottish phrases? It's really escaped me now. You've put me on the spot, even though I'm I sure. I know, it's the thing. You end up, you come off this call, you'll be like, oh, and I love that one, and I love this one. <laughs> Oh, I have so many. It's ridiculous. I mean, I've yeah, I've been up here for a good, how long? Like, yeah, 15 years. Longer than that. Oh, God, so many, so many. But I, do you know what I really love? I love, uh, oh, that'll be the rain on. That's great. I love that so much. And I apologise for my accent. It's with absolute love and adoration. Uh, and also, I really love uh, when you ask someone how they are. And they say, oh, hanging on by a thread. Love that one. Great. No one said that before. That's the very first time someone said it on the podcast, Mel. So you are a first for that one. Oh, great. That makes me happy. Well, I hope <laughs> you're not hanging on by a thread. Um, <laughs> looking, for this, looking forward to this performance. It sounds like you've totally got it. And that the cast have too. And um, I wish you all the best with it. It just sounds wonderful. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I really am. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. It's been lovely to chat. Thanks so much for having us. No, thank you so much for reaching out, uh, Mary. It's, it's lovely to, to meet you via the internet and yourself, Mel. <laughs> this is the joy of, you know, remote podcasting. And like yourselves, it's that, you know, just adapting that. I very much was like, no, I don't want to meet people on the internet doing this podcast. The whole point of it was to, to meet new people in person but I've just had to embrace it and actually it's opened up new opportunities very much a lot of what you were saying about the production and and how you've had to change your work and your practice is very much just been the same for this podcast it's just been open to it isn't it and just adapting and and making it work and just having that positive head on that we can make this happen and that's how I've ended up speaking to you both so this is lovely brilliant great job yeah thank you so much for having us it's been good 
hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.